1: The real story of Margaret Perk's final moments went into her white metal casket with her. The truth was lowered six feet into the ground and sealed inside a vault. It lay there for 26 years until a curious detective went looking for it. Margaret was lifted from her grave. She revealed the bruise on her back the impression of a leather belt around her neck, the rope burn across her chest. The story preserved by her corpse sealed the fate of her husband, who had long ago talked authorities into believing that his wife, eight and a half months pregnant with their first child, had killed herself. Scott Perk is now in prison for her murder. Exhumations, the act of digging up buried remains, are extremely rare. Even in this day and age of new technology and stunning advances in DNA and forensic science, exhumations are a last resort. A recent survey that the Ohio State Coroners Association agreed to do for us found that most Ohio counties had no exhumations in the past decade. Among the state's largest counties, Stark had zero, Cuyahoga and Montgomery reported one each, Hamilton had just two. That makes Summit County unique. In the past 12 years, investigators have conducted four exhumations in an attempt to solve some old murders. While two of those exhumations did not advance the case, two did answering questions that could not be answered any other way. So how does an exhumation work? What can authorities hope to find from decaying human remains? And what are the chances that a process that still makes some people feel uncomfortable might become a whole lot more common in the future? We've got some answers. From Ohio Mysteries, the Akron Beacon Journal, and Ohio.com. This is Exhumed, a three-part series that explores the topic of exhumations. I'm Paula Schleiss, co-host of Ohio Mysteries, and helping me with his series are Akron Beacon Journal reporter Stephanie Warsmith and my Ohio Mysteries co-host Steve Yoder. Part two and three of this series, we will tell the stories of those four murders that Summit County authorities hope to resolve with an exhumation. But this episode, part one, is for the true crime junkie. Think of this as Exhumation 101. We will be wholly focused on the process and the science. There are some graphic descriptions included in this episode, so just be aware. Now, the point of removing a body from its grave is to get a second crack at examining it. For that, you need an examiner. Ohio has 88 counties, and in 86 of them, the chief examiner is called a coroner. What you may not know is that a coroner is an elected lay person. They are required to have medical training, but they are not required to be trained in how to conduct an autopsy in a criminal case or how to look for evidence. And frankly, many of them are not. In those other two Ohio counties, there is no coroner. There is a medical examiner. An ME is not an elected position. It's an appointed job. And they are required to be trained forensic pathologists. The two counties that have an M.E. are Cuyahoga County, home to Cleveland, and Summit County, whose county seat is Akron. In Summit County, the M.E. is Dr. Lisa Kohler. She's had that job since 2001. The fact that Summit County has been more active than most other counties in terms of exhumations is really more accident than design, Kohler said
2: throughout my career. It's, it's been an infrequent situation.
1: The process can begin anywhere, anytime, but usually it begins with a curious detective from a cold case squad. These are the folks whose jobs are to haul out binders and boxes filled with yellowing documents and hastily scribbled notes, and then apply a fresh modern perspective to something that has stumped the generations of detectives who came before them. In re-examining the old files, a detective may realize an old piece of evidence, even one thoroughly considered decades ago, might be a candidate for a different treatment.
2: They are looking at a cold case and trying to decide, is there more information that could be obtained from that decedent? and we'll have those discussions. Prosecutor's office is usually involved in that as well. And although the medical examiner could order the exhumation, we typically leave that to law enforcement since they're taking the lead in this examination of a cold case.
1: A lot of times, those clues are already preserved in a storage room. It's just a matter of pulling them from the shelf and resubmitting them to a crime lab. But especially in old cases, it may be that there was some evidence not collected at all. In 1962, a 12 year old girl, Marion Brew Baker, was killed while riding her bike through the woods in Coventry Township. When Detective Larry Brown of the Summit County Sheriff's Office reopened her case for the eighth time in 2012, he couldn't find a report that anyone had clipped her fingernails to look for the hint that she might have scratched her assailant since the case's top suspect was a then 15-year-old boy who had scratches on his hand. Dr. Lisa Kohler agreed with Brown that DNA technology that didn't exist in 1962 might be hiding the identity of Marion's killer beneath her nails. Her body was exhumed in 2014 for this reason.
2: DNA can be an important reason to call cause us to do an exhumation, we have the opportunity at that time to gather additional samples, whether it be fingernails, samples, or tissues from the body to allow DNA testing to be performed. And in some of those cases at the time of the incident, that technology just was not advanced enough to allow that type of evidence to be dealt with. And so this is a a second opportunity to get answers that could not be provided at the time.
1: But DNA isn't the only reason. In the case of Margaret Perk at the top of this episode, she always had the bruises that wrote the story of how she died right on her flesh. The bruise on her back where her husband applied a knee to hold her to the ground The stitches of the leather belt he had wrapped around her neck to strangle her. The rope burn on her chest where he dragged her beneath a banister to stage her suicide by hanging. In Perk's case, the problem was an untrained coroner using a physician that was untrained in autopsies. Perk's original exam was done by a regular physician who either missed or ignored obvious evidence of her murder, and accepted her husband's suicide claim. When Perk was exhumed 24 years after her burial, Dr. Dorothy Dean, a forensic pathologist in the Summit County ME's office, found everything that should have been found the first time. So, let's go to the process of an exhumation. In the case of a victim whose identity is known, there is a family to consider, An exhumation can be done without their permission. A court can issue a search warrant, as it might issue for the collection of any evidence. And while the idea of having a loved one's remains pulled from their grave may be traumatic on an emotional level, in all four Semi-County exhumations, family members welcomed the chance for closure. Kohler said her office strives to do the entire thing
2: in a single day. Normally, the exhumation is going to happen early in the morning, and the cemetery will work with law enforcement to make sure that that is going to go as smoothly as possible. They will have the equipment needed to remove the body either from the burial or from the vault, as the case may be.
1: At this point... Expect the unexpected.
2: Many of the graves are very wet. So as you're removing the body from the ground, water is pouring out of the casket. You will, as you're opening the casket, you can hear the water sloshing inside. So that affects the preservation of the individual who is there and can affect the ability to get good DNA evidence if that's what you're looking for because of degradation. You don't know how good the quality of the preservation is going to be until you open the casket and look inside, regardless of whether it's been months or years that that person has been buried.
1: The body is then transported to the medical examiner's garage, where the casket is opened.
2: The caskets can rust shut. So although it would have a casket key available to open the casket, that does not always allow us to open it, and we need to get somebody in with a sawzall in order to make entry into the casket. And obviously that damages the casket, and then the casket needs to be replaced.
1: As soon as the casket is opened, the examiner documents everything that can be seen before the body is touched. And then the remains are transported to an examination room. If that grave was flooded, things are going to get complicated. A wet grave will cause mold and mildew growth on the body. Also, this is when the examiner is going to learn just how good of an embalmer the deceased had. Practices and skills in the art of embalming are wide-ranging, and a poor job will turn a corpse into a skeleton.
2: So if they have started to skeletonize and you were looking for soft tissue examination you no longer have the ability to look at soft tissues. The decomposition and the changes associated with the mold and mildew discolors the skin and can make it a little bit more difficult to interpret wounds and patterned injuries because of that discoloration.
1: The exam starts on the outside, documenting the surface of the body and then moves internally.
2: In some of these cases, the individual may have already been autopsied previously. So that's going to change the approach somewhat in that the organs had already been removed and placed into a bag inside of the individual as opposed to being where they were initially before death. So you're going to examine the body starting from the outside and moving inward. If you are going to perform an autopsy that was not done previously, you'll make the same sort of incisions that you would have on any other fresh individual. So you make the Y-shaped incision, and then you start to uh, look at the organs where they lay in the body and correlate that with any external trauma, and you would also look inside of the head. If the body has been previously autopsied, You would take the viscera bag, which contains all of the previously examined organs, and evaluate what is there and re-document any evidence of natural disease or any injury that you might be able to see. And if you need to take samples for future studies, you would take them at that time.
1: Sometimes the exhumation's main goal isn't to find a killer or a cause of death but rather to identify the person who was buried. That was the case just a couple of years ago when Akron police asked the Cuyahoga County coroner to remove bones that had been buried in the pauper's field of a Cleveland-area cemetery. One of Akron's oldest missing persons cases was Linda Pagano, a 17-year-old initially thought to have been a runaway in 1974. The Cleveland Cemetery Index recorded that in 1975, the city had interred the partial skeleton of a young woman who had been found along the banks of the Rocky River. There was a bullet hole in her skull and she was buried without a name. An Akron detective looking through cold cases found that reference in a national database and thought it could be Linda Pagano. An exhumation proved he was right. And while her killer remains a mystery, Linda's surviving siblings are grateful that they have some closure. They were able to bring their sister's remains home to Akron to be buried with their mother.
2: If there is a question as to the identity of the person or if we need a sample of DNA from that individual to compare with other samples that may have been taken, Uh, During the investigation previously, we can obtain a DNA sample from the decedent. The simplest way to do that would be to take a molar tooth or two and provide that to the laboratory so that they can get the DNA out of the tooth, out of the pulp cavity. That would be the most likely source of DNA as far as identifying that decedent.
1: If the tooth isn't available... There is a more costly test that can be done to try and extract DNA from bone material.
2: If the body has been degrading because of poor burial conditions, then it's questionable how good the quality of the DNA sample is going to be.
1: When the exam is done, the body is prepared for reburial. The care that was taken the first time isn't repeated. Nobody redoes the hair and makeup, for instance. The body isn't even redressed. The clothing that was interred the first time is laid over the body. And everything that was buried with the victim, jewelry or sentimental items, are returned with the victim to the
2: ground. Uh, The body is treated with respect typically The exhumation is performed in the morning hours, and the goal would be to have the body reinterred that evening. It does not always happen that we're able to get reinterred that evening, but we do want to get that person reinterred as quickly as we can, just out of respect to the individual.
1: The way an autopsy is conducted today is not a whole lot different than the way a competent coroner would have conducted them 50 years ago. The big difference Comes from the
2: lab. The biggest thing that has changed is the ability to analyze different types of evidence based upon the advances in science.
1: Throughout this process, the family is generally not involved. Dr. Kohler said she has heard of cases elsewhere where the family of the deceased person wanted to view the raised remains. Kohler said if she were asked that, she might allow them to see a photograph, but only then if the body wasn't badly decomposed. You can't unsee something, she said. And her office would try to use their judgment as to whether a family member could handle it or whether they would regret their request.
2: So we would have to evaluate it based upon what we find when we open the casket and what the circumstances are.
1: One reason authorities may balk at doing an exhumation is the cost. According to the Ohio Cemetery Association, it can cost between $1,500 and 4000 to reopen or reclose a grave. Damaged caskets and vaults will make that cost climb. The cheapest caskets and low-end vaults are about $900 each. So, even the smoothest of exhumations is going to cost somebody a couple thousand dollars. Wet graves and damaged caskets can make that price soar to six thousand or more. But Dr. Kohler said the information that can be gleaned from it is priceless.
2: You have a chance to obtain evidence that may not have been obtained initially. So, there is definitely an opportunity
1: Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other
0: offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is Alex Hastings, the host of Ohio vs. the World, an American history podcast. On Ohio vs. the World, we'll travel back in time with the authors, historians, and even witnesses to visit the most exciting, consequential, and too often overlooked topics that have shaped America's history. There seems to be an Ohio connection to so many important moments. When you said uh, Ohio versus the world, we did some damage. So join us and we'll take a deep dive to enlighten, educate, and entertain you. As Ohio versus the world makes history fun again.
1: So what's the future of exhumations? While some may be intimidated by the process or put off by the cost, Detective Adam Turner is trying to show by example that those things don't need to get in the way. Don't look for this officer in Ohio's major cities. You won't find him in Cleveland or Columbus or Cincinnati. Turner is with the police department in Shelby, Ohio a town of fewer than 10,000 people in Richland County. And he is absolutely unfazed by bureaucracy. Turner is in the process of working on his third and fourth exhumations, trying to solve a World War II mystery that may not even involve a crime. Turner has become a champion for the descendants of Mary Jane Van Gilder, one of those wartime Rosie the Riveters. Mary Jane was estranged from her husband and left him with custody of their five children in West Virginia while she moved to Ohio to take a job at the Wilkins Army Air Force Depot in Shelby. The depot was set up to produce munitions and make plane parts to help the military. Now, Mary Jane wrote her children regularly, but in early 1945, their letters to her started bouncing back. A decades-long search by her children and now her grandchildren have turned up no clue as to what happened. She may have met with foul play, had an accident, or she may have remarried, taken a new last name, and went on to live a long life.
3: The missing and unidentified have always kind of been a, a passion of mine. You know, even going back to when I was a kid, they were always, it was always cases that fascinated me, just kind of wondering what happened. And so when I when I first heard about the case, I knew that, you know, I was probably the best person for the job and that I would, uh, you know, I wouldn't stop. You know, I'm one of those people that just, I, I, I won't stop uh, no matter how hard it is. And I, I do enjoy the challenge.
1: Detective Turner, the son of funeral home owners who grew up learning about grief and the need for closure and the desire for answers, threw himself into the case. He spent months trying to exhaust all the trails he could find above ground, then came to believe that the road to Mary Jane was underground, using the National Missing and Unidentified Persons System Database. NamUs for short. He started sifting through the region's Jane Doe's, looking for someone who matched Mary Jane's description. So far, a body in Benton County, Indiana, and another in Preble County, Ohio, have been exhumed to see if their DNA matches that provided by Mary Jane's descendants. Turner is still awaiting test results. Meanwhile, He's hoping to get the okay for the exhumation of a third body in Cuyahoga County next summer. And he's made early inquiries about exhuming a fourth body. That would be his second in Indiana. Turner said exhumations aren't
3: easy. From a legal standpoint, it is, it is very difficult.
1: But it shouldn't be. He said if everyone works together, costs should be near zero. And red tape should be minimal. He held up Preble County as an example of how everything went off perfectly because everyone just wanted to do the right
3: thing. I can't say enough good things about Dave Wimloff, who's the coroner's investigator in Preble County, and the coroner there, and basically the city of Eaton, uh, all the cemetery workers, the county commissioners, the mayor and the prosecutor, everybody just... Basically signed off on it, said, we're going to do this. We're going to find out who she is. We're not going to charge this police department because that can be a gigantic hurdle for smaller agencies to overcome because the cost of digging someone up, I mean, it's not cheap. So they donated all their time, and the only cost that we incurred as a police department was to reinter the Jane Doe's remains in a new casket because when we exhumed that body, the casket was obviously long degraded. So we paid to have her reinterred in a new casket and that's something that we gladly did.
1: As for that casket, Turner said he even found a funeral home in town that worked with him to get the cost below $200. For DNA testing, Turner has availed himself of help from Ohio's BCI, but said if he ever needs to turn to a private lab, he'd try crowdfunding online, trusting in the huge interest that people have in true crime today. And here's the thing, he said because, at least in the case of people who were buried without a name, you can't really lose. If none of those exhumations turn out to be Mary Jane Van Gilder, there's still somebody, someone's mother, someone's daughter, someone's sister, and getting their DNA into the national database means some other family may get
3: closure. You know, ultimately, I want to know where Mary Jane is and what happened to her. That's that is my number one mission. That's my responsibility as a policeman and to uh, Mary Jane's family. But if I can help solve other cases, other unidentified remains in other jurisdictions through this investigation, then that is a positive thing. There are an
1: unknowable number of unidentified people in Ohio cemeteries. Turner's empathy for their families makes it hard to resist the desire to dig them all up and get them home.
3: Not all unidentifieds are in NamUs. There are unidentifieds in cemeteries throughout this country that are not in NamUs. And that is a failure on law enforcement. That is a failure on the criminal justice system On as a whole that these people have kind of fallen through the cracks. When we exhumed the uh, Preble County Jane Doe, there was a Jane Doe directly next to her that in the, like just you know a, a foot or so away was not in Namus. That was nowhere listed. So you know when we were doing that exhumation, I kind of joked, hey, can you can you knock that that wall out a little bit just so we can kind of get into that grave as well? Obviously, we can't do that, but that just goes to show how many unidentifieds there are throughout this country. Turner's case
1: involves a missing person. And he acknowledges that there are more considerations in the case of exhuming a person whose family is known. Still, whether it's used for a missing person or an unsolved murder, exhumations only make sense as science gets smarter. Turner believes we may be right on the edge of exhumations becoming a common tool.
3: If I could get more coroner's investigators, more coroner's offices interested in doing these exhumations, and now, now is the time, more than ever before. We're seeing that DNA and science and genetic technology is allowing us uh, the opportunity through forensic genealogy to identify who these people are and to give them a name back. So, Yes, now it's it's important that we do this, and I would love to see more law enforcement agencies and coroner's offices doing the same thing.
1: Join us tomorrow for part two of Exhumed. We'll go over the cases of Summit County's two recent successes, an exhumation that put a killer behind bars and one that gave a long-lost teenager her name back. Then come back the next day for part three and we'll tell you the stories behind two other unsolved murders in which Summit County authorities hoped an exhumation would solve a
0: mystery. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw